We thank you for joining us right here this morning on this edition of the Morning Chat right here on 97.7, 97.3 and 1450 AM WAOV. As you can probably tell by now, I'm not Ed Ballinger. He is out today. I am Tom Lee. It is good to have you with us and somebody who has been familiar with microphones herself <laughs> for the better part of many, many years is Cher Weirman. She joins us right now from the Family Health Center at Vincent. Cher, always a pleasure to have you here in whatever role you're playing thanks for joining us thank you so much for having me it's always a great time here and we always appreciate the ability to come and talk about our programs and services and let's talk about one of those programs and it was something that kind of sneaked up on me i never really realized it was going on until you mentioned it but another season of dancing with the vincent stars is coming up yeah yeah just like on television we come back every season and have um a great event so last year um, was the first time we held it in Vincennes here at Highland Woods, and it really went well. We had a great turnout. The dancers had a lot of fun. And um, I even had a couple people that night who stepped up and said, I want to compete next year. I want to be your, one of your dancers. So um, just a little preview here. We are locking in um, those dancers. We are planning on having six competitors this year. Previously, we've had four, um, but we're excited. Uh, well, we should have six, and we'll start naming them off in March and then uh, sharing more information about um, the event and the cause that we're supporting and how that you can get tickets or sponsor or um, just come out and have a good time. So, um, But I will say the earlier the better we're going to get that date out there to everybody so we'll be holding um the dancing with the vincent stars fundraiser this year on saturday august the 17th again it'll be here at the highland woods community center in vincent so get it on the calendar and don't forget so again august the 17th now here's the thing you name your dancers in march because really it does take that long to get ready for something like this it does it does um now the dancing part i don't know that they'll say this but for me that's the easiest part is getting that locked down um we have been so blessed to have stacia hewlin from triple threat talent here in vincennes who she has donated her time and her instructor's time and her studio time um, for our stars to practice and she does a phenomenal job of working with them finding out a little bit about who they are what kind of music they like what kind of um, personality do they have and then she finds a song that kind of fits with them they fall in love with it and then they just go I am I've been so impressed at how they do the choreographing and Stacia just envisions it and she says a few words and shows a few steps and 90 seconds later you have a dance. It's just, it's phenomenal. So um, we're very lucky that Stacia has um, donated her services for the event each year and um, her professionals that she brings with her to be the partners have just been amazing to work with as well and we're so lucky to have that but um you know they'll get started probably with practices and choreography mid-may late may early june just depending um you know we try to be very cognizant of peak times for people um stacia 
takes off during the summer months or you know things wind down in may for her so um that will allow us to have more time in her studio um but we also try to work around each star's schedules you know some of them work full time some are, have been retired some are um teachers have been teachers so it's better to wait till summer so um we just want to make it as convenient for them and for stacia so we're not putting any stress on them because they're, they stress enough with just doing the competition, so we just try to make it as easy as possible for them. So, again, we're talking Saturday, August 17th at Highland Woods. Again, more information coming out as the event gets closer. I just want you to know, though, there is one, there is a definite reason why that broadcasters like me are not invited to competitions <laughs> yeah. like this. And if you look at me, you probably know I'm probably not the most graceful person mm. in the history of the world. But I know that you're going to find some people who are. Yes, yes. Well, that is why I put the event together and I host it because I have two left feet. <laughs> so I'm not going to ever volunteer to learn any dance moves. So I try, I do enough of um, embarrassing myself on a day to day basis. I don't need to put myself on a platter and serve it up to the community. So, um, but we have a lot of fun and that's what it's all about is, is having fun and raising money for our Wabash Valley Friendship Clubhouse. Um, we are, we are, our community is so blessed. I keep using that word blessed and I apologize, mm -hmm. but we mm -hmm. are, we are so blessed to have this clubhouse. It is a fun place for people who have been diagnosed with a serious mental illness for them to go and just hang out, have friends who have maybe been through the same thing they have been through. Um, and sometimes they just watch TV. Sometimes they go on outings. Um, but a lot of times they want to make a difference. They right. are looking at a way to volunteer, to help different programs and, um, and businesses and organizations and volunteer to help with them. Um, they loved the trunk or treat through Good Sam. They do a, a booth through uh, for the trunk or treat there. Um, they have volunteered at our children's mental health fair. Um, they're just great advocates for our community. And um, they even, this is really cool, they do at their own podcast each month. Hmm. And so they talk a lot about who they are. They share their story of how they've traveled this road and gotten to this point. Right. And then also share how they've gone through recovery and gaining their lives back. Because the clubhouse's main focus is to help an individual who has been diagnosed with a serious mental illness to regain their skill set enough that they can live independently on their own and so that's our goal is to get them to live their best life at what independence what independent level that they may have um, many of them live on their own in apartments in different areas of our community um, but we do have a case manager that works with them and helps them um, and ensures that they make their doctor's appointments and um, they're meeting nutritional goals. They're staying on their medications. And so just kind of a check-in here and there to make sure they're doing well. Um, and then we have some who live in a more structured environment in a group home um, and need more help with the um, 
budgeting of their money and grocery shopping and making meal plans. And so um, a great phrase that I use that I love is we meet them where they're at. We find out where they are and we help them get the services they need where they are right now. And then we grow them and help them gain that confidence and independence and move them on. You know, and here's the thing. I mean, you probably, I mean, you, you've known my wife, Dawn, forever, I think. And, and this, mm-hmm. she's nodding her mm-hmm. head. And I think, you know, even even though I'm relatively, you know, re- relatively healthy, I mean, I probably need help with my meal plans. <laughs> you know, but, right, and right. At least Dawn says it, anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just as guilty as well. You know, life is hectic. Oh, and, yeah. So, you know, it is so easy to get into that the swing of just hitting a drive-through oh, at yeah. lunch every day or mm-hmm. dinner. And um, so it's hard. And yeah. um, a lot of these individuals are living on a, on a very strict budget. Right. So to do both of those things, eat healthy on a fixed income, mm-hmm. is almost impossible. But we, we work with them to ensure that they can do that. How many people do you serve over there? So at the clubhouse... Um, our average daily attendance last month were was um, 15 members. Um, some days we'll have a large group in there, and we may have 25 people, depending on what the activity is for the day that's going on or if we have outings. Mm-hmm. And then some days when it's cold and dreary and nobody wants to get out, I don't blame them. And so our numbers are a little bit lower. So sometimes we may only have three, four, five people in for the day. But right. we're always there. Um we have the ability to help them evenings, weekends, whatever might be going on. Um, but one of the really unique things about the clubhouse that I love is that on holidays, mm-hmm. we're there. Um, many of these people do not have family that are here, um, or maybe they don't celebrate holidays. And holidays can be tough. Yeah, yeah. And even with people who have family, sometimes holiday is tough. Right. So we make sure that we have a holiday dinner on Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving. All of those major core holidays right. were open for our members to come and celebrate and they can bring a guest if they do have a family mm-hmm. or family member or friend that they would like to bring with them we allow that to happen as well so um it's just a safe place for them to go where they know they can always be and about a minute left to go let's go ahead and recap uh, what is coming up and that is uh, dancing with the vincennes stars yes. returning yes. in august uh, tell us a little bit as we close out yeah season three gosh it's hard to believe it's that's our, our third event, but uh, Dancing with the Vincennes Stars will be happening on Saturday, August the 17th here in Vincennes at the Highland Woods Community Center. And starting in March, we'll begin revealing our six stars and um, we'll open up voting probably early um, June. And then, um, you know, it'll be go time. It'll be mm-hmm. lights, camera action and lots of fun. So we're very excited for that this year. Sharon, it's always great to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for having me. You're listening to The Morning Chat right here on WAOV. And we thank you for joining us right here on The Morning Chat on WAOV. I'm Tom Lee. Joining me right now, Brittany Farmer from Good Samaritan Hospital. And this being Valentine's Day, as this is recorded, I think very appropriately we're talking about hearts today. So uh, Brittany is with us. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you. 
Let's talk about the heart failure department now. We're not talking about breakups here. We're talking about something totally different. Uh, Tell me a little bit about uh, what you guys do with your heart failure clinic. Well, the heart failure clinic is a um, sub-department of the cardiology department, and we specialize in patients that have heart failure. Uh, There's different types of heart failure, and... um, depending on what type you have is how we know how to treat you. Uh, We use the American Heart Association guidelines to uh, do all the uh, treatments that we do. And um, right now we focus mainly on those patients that have been in the hospital with heart failure. We like to see them within a week of them being discharged to make sure they understand all their medicines, they understand their heart failure diagnosis, and then we follow up with them two weeks after that appointment Um, to see how they're doing with any medication adjustments we might have done. We monitor their labs. So we watch them very closely. And then after that, we turn them over to their cardiologist to be followed. And then the cardiologist can determine if he wants the heart failure clinic to still be involved in their care. Help me a little bit here now. And that is, I've always kind of wondered to myself, what is the difference between, let's say, congenital heart failure and a heart attack? I mean, when you when you talk about that, I know there may be somebody, out, some people out here that kind of confuse the two. What's the difference? Well, a congenital heart failure might be um, caused from something you've had your whole life, something from birth, like a faulty valve or something to that nature. Um, It might be able to be fixed or managed in another way. A heart attack can cause heart failure because a heart attack damages your heart muscle. So then the heart muscle isn't functioning as well as it should and you result in a type of heart failure. Yep, my dad had heart failure. Now he didn't have a heart attack, but he had problems with um, the the fluid around what's called the pericardium, and uh, so that is one type of heart failure, I guess. And you mentioned maybe a valve defect uh, since birth. What are some of the other part? What are some of the other heart failures that you see? Well, we see some heart failures that are caused from high blood pressure. So if you have high blood pressure in your body, that causes your heart muscle to work harder and get thicker. So then the heart can't fill with the blood and pump as well as it should to get out to the um, uh, other organs in your body. Um, There's other types. There's called a dilated cardiomyopathy which happens when your heart muscle gets too thin. So then if your muscle's too thin, it can't pump as well either. And so that's why every type of heart failure is treated. There's kind of like a basic recipe that we use, but then we tailor the medications in those recipes to the patient and what they need. I know the heart department at Good Samaritan Hospital has been honored. I know that uh, you try to follow the uh, get with the guidelines. And I guess that also covers the area you're talking about in the heart failure clinic. Is that something that you know, you look at it and say that this is why you need to come and see us because, you know, we do follow the American Heart Association rules as closely as we do. Yes. So our uh, heart failure therapies are based on what's called guideline directed medical therapy or GDMT for short. And that comes from the American Heart Association. And these guidelines are what have been found and discovered through extensive studies that you get these patients on these medications, they're going to have better outcomes, their mortality rate decreases, and they don't spend as much time in the hospital. When you talk about the 
heart failure and stuff like that, how many patients would you say, let's say on a weekly basis, how many patients do you see? Well, right now we're still um, trying to get our program built up. If we had a full load of patients, we would see probably 15 to 20 a week. Um, Our uh, appointment times are longer. They're about an hour because uh, my clinic nurse does extensive education in heart failure. Then we also have a pharmacist that goes in and talks to the patient, and she talks specifically about their medications, what they're for, and uh, side effects and things like that. What are the various treatments that you have for people? Let's say they come in with some kind of a heart failure. What kind of treatment do you use for them? Is it medication? Is it therapy? Is it a combination of the two? What do you guys do for these folks? It's definitely a combination of the two. Medication is pretty standard. Uh, What type of heart failure dictates to us how many medicines of the guideline directed medical therapy you need. But then if you need cardiac rehab, we'll get you signed up for that. If you need pulmonary rehab, because there's some heart failures that can be caused by lung issues as well, we'll get you into pulmonary rehab. Uh, So it just kind of depends on, as the patient, what you need. And here's the thing you talk about high blood pressure being a being a contributing factor, which also brings up this point too. You talk about diet and you talk about different things like that. What kind of a diet would you recommend for your typical person who is in the hospital dealing with this? Uh, You uh, should watch your fluids. Uh, Fluid restriction is pretty common. And um, the best fluid for you to drink is obviously water. But, um, you know, if we try to get patients, if they drink a lot of pop throughout the day, we're like, okay, let's try to cut back on the pop and replace with water, but we need to keep under a certain amount of fluid. Um, Also sodium, sodium needs to be decreased because where sodium goes, water follows. So a low sodium diet and then your heart healthy diet with uh, keeping away from saturated fats and, you know, fruits and vegetables are always a good thing. Lean proteins, things like that. People, let's say, who are listening and they're not sure, maybe they're having problems with their heart and they're not sure what it is. What are some of the signs and symptoms of heart failure? Uh decreased stamina all of a sudden you don't have as much energy as you used to you're more short of breath like if you used to be able to get up and go to the restroom without a problem and now all of a sudden you notice you're more short of breath swelling is another issue Uh, a cough that can just appear that could be a sign as well when you talk about swelling, I mean, what are you talking about? Swelling of the extremities, swelling of the area around the heart. What what kind of swelling are you talking about? Usually, it's the uh, feet and legs first because those are the most dependent things on our body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, patients may notice swelling in their hands or even swelling around their abdomen, where they start to have a bloated feeling. You talk about this heart clinic being underway. How long have you guys been there with this uh, heart failure clinic? Uh, we started on May first of last year with a dedicated heart failure clinic and um, at that time I was still doing some cardiology follow-up so as we weeded those out then we became more of a full-time heart failure clinic and and so you've been going since May 1st of last year now where are you guys located we're located in the Dayson Heart Center Uh, what part of the heart center Uh, right there where you go to see your normal cardiologist 
right as you walk in the doors there. So do you work with, let's say, the cardiologist working with the heart failure clinic? Do you have dedicated cardiologists for heart failure, or are they basically working with all kinds of heart-related issues? Well, the cardiologists, yes, are working with all kinds of heart-related issues, and that's where we've kind of realized we needed this separate heart failure clinic because heart failure is so much and the cardiologists are dealing with so much more that we kind of take some of the burden off the cardiologist and you know follow these patients more closely so they have more time to get with the other patients that need care too. So this is basically a center to kind of as you mentioned take the load off of some of the heart doctors at Good Samaritan Hospital and you guys are kind of helping in that area? Yes. What kind of a what kind of a medical background do you need to not necessarily be a cardiologist, but to help assist? I mean, what kind of credentials do you guys take into this job? Well, um, first of all, for the clinic, um, an advanced practice nurse. So I'm a nurse practitioner, and just so happens that I have most of my background is in cardiology related care, um, critical care, things like that. Um, so we kind of take that into consideration and then it's more on the job training. You read, you follow the cardiologist, you, you know, learn what they do, things like that. So how long, basically you're talking about on the job with, with the basic foundation, how much on the job does it take before you really start to feel comfortable with this? We're always growing. Um, like a basic heart failure patient, you know, that, they're, they're pretty standard, but then you always have those special cases, and that's why we have the cardiologists right there that we go and ask questions. You know, they're right there to help us if we need them. Now, if people want to get a hold of you, they're saying to themselves, maybe I do have some of the symptoms and I want to get tested to make sure this is not my problem. How do, you, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, right now, the best way would be to uh, go to your primary care provider, and then they can refer them to the heart failure clinic. We I know I talked about earlier about doing people that just had been in the hospital, but we see patients from the primary care provider as well. We've had the primary care doctor call us and say, hey, I've got this patient that I'm concerned about. Could you get them in? So the best thing to do is consult your personal doctor first Mm -hmm. and then have them consult you if there's a problem? Yeah. All right. Well, again, if you're located at the Dayson Heart Center. Now, where's the Dayson Heart Center located? It's in the new building of the uh, hospital uh, on the first floor. So you mean the uh, the Jabalt Tower? Yes, the Jabalt Tower. Right, okay. That, that's us. Well, you said the new building. I thought that's what you meant. I just want to yes. make sure. Well, Brittany, it's great to have you with us this morning. Thank and you. again, we thank you for everything you guys are doing. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having us. And we thank you for joining us right here on the morning chat on WAOV. I'm Tom Lee, sitting at Red Ballinger. And uh, sitting in for himself today, as he always does, is Gary Hackney from the Vincennes Rotary. Gary, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Tom. It's great to see you. Let's talk about what's going on. One thing that a lot of people are talking about right now is scholarships, especially preparation with usually award coming in the next couple of months. I think that's more of a springtime thing is when they give when they notify the people who have won. But I guess you're looking for applications right now for various Rotary scholarships. You're exactly right, Tom. We are in the uh, scholarship season, if you will. And uh, not only Rotary, but, uh, you know, the some of the other organizations that award scholarships are in that process, even as we speak. And so, uh, as you know, Rotary has is very proud of the fact that we've been able to award scholarships for several years. I think our first scholarship was 
probably back in the 1970s was the first time that Rotary started doing a scholarship program. And we were able to enhance our scholarship program uh, once we started the 5252 Rotary raffle. Uh, you know, people talk about that. They, they kind of sometimes complain or make fun of the raffle. I never win. I bought a ticket, but I never win. But we always remind everyone that uh, by supporting the Rotary raffle, you are automatically a winner for the community because whether your ticket is drawn and you win that $250 or not, you are providing th many things for the community, one of which are scholarships. Let's talk about those scholarships. How many are you giving out this year? It will uh, it'll, it'll kind of depend upon the number of applicants that we receive, Tom. Uh, generally, from the four county high schools, and that's, that's who Rotary serves, uh, we have between 30 and 40 applications that we receive. Uh, that's a good number. And uh, it's pretty evenly spread across the uh, four county high schools, um, dependent upon their enrollment. You know, the higher, the higher enrollment schools generally have a few more, although we do get a good number from the county schools as well. Uh, and so uh, the, the number of applicants is less important than the number of dollars that we can award. And we, can, we have, in the last several years, probably the last five years, we have been able to award north of $25,000 to the, the recipients. This year, it's looking like it's going to be around 27000 what is the typical amount that each person would get in the scholarship? It's a great question. Um, most most of them are in the one thousand dollar range. Although we do have some that are higher than that, we give a number of scholarships that are academic uh, related, and then some others that are related to service. Because as you know, Rotary service is a big part of what Rotary does, and so we actually have service awards that we give to the county kids uh, and those are really the ones that are, are more value uh, up to I think four thousand dollars would be a, the top award and again this is for the service scholarships you're yeah, talking service. about we have an award called service above self and then we have an interact award and that's for the kids that are in the interact club of their school of their high school uh, and all four of our county high schools have interact clubs and so those students and, and you know we look at not only service academics but you know what are they doing for their school it, it, I don't like for everything to always be totally related to academics because some kids who you know aren't a students do a lot of good things I wasn't an a student when I was a high school kid I would have never gotten a scholarship based upon my uh, academics when I was a kid. Well, and, and that's the thing. And there's a lot of people that, of course, and it's funny you say that because you spent your whole career in education, yeah. you know, without that, let's say, pedigree, I guess is the best word for it. And so it is possible. I mean, when you talk about service, let's, let's say you're talking about service. Now, the other thing, too, do you have to be either an Interact Club or a child of a Rotary member to apply for this a number of our scholarships tom you cannot receive an award if you are a child of a rotarian and i think that's to you know kind of do away with favoritism although they're not all that that criteria is not part of all of them i'd say it's about 50 50 there are some you just that you cannot be a rotarian's child in order to receive but there's others that you can and and one of the awards that i'm really proud of that we started 
last year what is called the Vocational Trade Award. And that award is given to a student, doesn't even have to necessarily have to be a senior in high school, for a person that is going to get, pursue in, uh, mechanical, mm-hmm. plumbing, electrical. Maybe they want to become a truck driver and they need the, the money to pay for their license, the test for their license. Maybe they need tools to become a... Uh, an electrician. And so there is an application now that they go through their counselor and all these go through the high school counselors. They apply if they are currently working and they want to advance and become a a certified electrician, they can have their employer help them fill out the application, put in what they want. And we may award money for a kid to do something other than go to college. Now, here's the other thing. You talk about the application process. Let's say you want to get an application. First of all, how do you get one? Well, the first thing I would say to anyone that would ask me is go to your high school counselor. Talk to them. I sent all of the application material to the counselors shortly after the first of the year. So they have those. Secondly, if they don't have access to their counselor, they don't feel comfortable, they can contact me and I can send them that application in an email or or mail it to them if they want. Now let's talk about the application itself. What are the criteria for filling it out? I mean, you know, what is required? Pretty simple. Basically, it's their information about the student, you know, their name, address, contact information. Uh, A couple of the scholarships do require that the the student uh, write a short essay. I think it's 250 words. And the essay basically is about the Rotary four-way test. Now, for people who may not know, people who are in the Rotarians or people who know of of Rotary do know the four-way test. But if you could mention to those maybe who don't know, what is the four-way test? Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendship? And is it beneficial to all concerned? That's the four-way test. And and we cite that every meeting. Exactly. And I was about to say, say, I've attended a couple of meetings in the past, and it is part of the the Rotarians meeting every time they get together. Correct. I jokingly say that I have a tattoo of that. (laughs) (laughs) But don't look for it. But I don't. All right. Anyway. So, so that's the scholarships, and again, more information you can get a hold of any Rotarian or Gary Hackney, again, yeah. or your high school counselor, yeah. again, and that can yeah. get you that information. That's one thing going on. The other thing is, of course, uh, sometime in April, I've, I've read about it somewhere, that uh, there's uh, going to be a total eclipse coming to this area. Again, it's on April 8th, just after 3 o'clock. Tell me, what are you guys doing with that? Yeah, well, um, we, uh, we, we had a, a booth during the Chris Kendall market back in December, and the Rotarians, uh, kind of my concept, we decided that we were going to grill uh, bratwursts for the Chris Kindle market. And if you know, it's kind of a German festy type thing. And and uh, I actually wore lederhosen the first day, and they were very uncomfortable. So I did not wear them. <laughs> I did not wear them on Saturday. Are there any pictures around? <laughs> uh, there are some. There, there are, I think some have been posted, Tom. All right. So this time around we decided that we were you know if we want to do that again it was fun it's a shows the rotary presence and then the proceeds you know rotary anytime we make money for something the proceeds go to some cause and so at christmas time we uh the cause was the salvation army 
And so we decided that we're going to do those again. This time, instead of doing calling them bratwursts or hot dogs, we're going to call them moon dogs. Moon dogs. And we're doing that on um, Saturday before the eclipse, which I think is the 6th. And we'll be down at the Riverfront Pavilion. Is this part of the Dark Side Bash going on? I, we're, we, we fit in there somewhere. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought maybe it may have been some kind of booth or something. Yeah. For, for the that good event. thing about it is, I mean, we cooked those over a, an open fire, a grill that's got an open flame in it. I'm the grill master. You're the grill master. And... Uh, so I'm kind of proud of that. And we, when we did it at Christmas, I don't remember how many brats and hot dogs we bought, but we sold out. It was a really popular event. And so, it's, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. And as you know, Tom, we, everybody's trying to guess how many people are going to inundate this community. Yeah. It could be thousands. It could be hundreds of thousands. And so uh, at least for a short period of time, we'll be able to feed them a moon dog. <laughs> So once again, that, that activity, you mentioned the uh, the Dark Side Bash coming up on the weekend before, a lot of music, a lot of fun, a lot of different things going on, and then service organizations kind of working through that Correct. as well, and Moondogs. Correct. So, yeah. So so once again, uh, that'll be April 6th, I believe. That, so. that is the day that, uh, you know, that weekend, there's a lot of stuff kind of building up to the eclipse. Exactly. And so the weekend is uh, pretty busy from what I've been able to see. I know there's a lot of different things going on. The Red Skelton Center's got some stuff going on, and I know there's some concerts, and I think there's an event over at the airport, and... So we're yep. going to you know, jump in and do what we can to be a part of the fun. So once again, that is all coming up uh, at, at the Eclipse. Again, that'll be on April the 6th on that Saturday. Again, uh, the all terminating in the Eclipse itself on April the 8th, regardless of how many thousands or tens or hundreds, whatever it might Correct. be, are going to be here. Yeah, and I don't, know, I don't know if you've thought about it. Yeah, I mean, you guys will probably be covering it somewhere somehow i don't know mm -hmm. uh i wonder i'm kind of thinking where where do i want to be that exactly you know, I, I wonder if people are starting to think about that where That's do i want to be you know myself like i said i live in oaktown which probably is a pretty good area because like i say you got a small town a lot of room around it yeah. but at the same time with my job i'll probably be somewhere downtown during this thing that so. would i mean that'd be my <laughs> guess and and you know i don't know how you build up to that so like you know here it comes or and, and yeah. it's you know it's not like it's a fast moving event i think sarah wolf says the whole thing's going to last for several hours it is because you know. talk about partials and and you know the, the moon moving into place and then coming out of place Right, but the yeah. the main the main character is going to be, of course, uh, of course, the four minutes right after three o'clock when yes. this thing is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. and we hope it's a nice sunny day like today. Exactly, and that's the other thing. I think everybody's praying for for good weather, but even if it's cloudy, I mean, it's going to get pretty dark it's out there. It's going to be dark. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's wrap up by talking about uh, if anybody is interested in becoming a Rotarian, what's the best way of doing okay, it? Okay, well, you you can obviously contact me, and uh, uh, I'm not hard to get a hold of. You can find me, or somebody knows how to get a hold of me, uh, or any other Rotarian, as a matter of fact. I mean, and we're constantly... Uh, looking to add members to the Rotary Club. They, I guess I'd say they come and go. Yesterday at our Rotary Club, we had a member that has actually uh, been a member of Rotary for, I think, over 30 years, and he and his wife are getting ready to downsize, and they're moving to Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So great guy. He's just moving on to something else in his life. And so 
we're, we're happy about that. But yeah, you can contact me. Our president, uh, Chelsea Harrington, is currently on maternity leave. Uh, so Matthew Lindsay, president-elect, has taken over the reins, and he's going to now uh, carry the torch from the remainder of this rotary year, and then he'll become the president officially July the 1st, and so he'll be around for another year. Um, so, I mean, you can look us up on Facebook. If you're interested, you can contact, you can probably ask Tom, and he can tell you how to get a hold of me. Um, and and there's the rotary... I'll say trademark mm -hmm. is pretty well across the community, whether it's Wabash Trails, Kristen's Place, which is a new thing where we, we've been involved in Isaiah 117. So if you want to be involved in a service organization that is mm -hmm. really active, has lots of members, is a great way to network, I would highly suggest the Vincennes Rotary Club. Well, Gary, it's great to have you with us. We thank you so much for coming in every month, and we look forward to seeing you, I guess, in March. I love being here. Thank you, Tom. All right. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. we got more to come. You're listening to The Morning Chats on WAOV.